Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. Amen. Thanks, everyone, and have a seat, and uh, really grateful to do this together, and uh, it's always special, you know, as I think about summertime coming, how easily it is to have a lot of things going on, and I often tell, you know, I was telling our team earlier, I was saying how if I gave you a minute, you could probably think of so many other things you could be doing today. Some of you are like, I could be sleeping, I could be like, I don't know, I could be doing other things, so you're not just here by mistake because you had nothing else to do. You decided to be here. And we think that there's an intentional reason when we gather that God draws us together because there's a lot of people who are like, well, I don't care, I'm not doing any of this. And every time you get up, even in the week, when you decide church and gathering and worshiping and learning is going to be a priority, you're deciding to lead and to do something that some people won't understand. And we have to continue to model that in our lives and to model what it means to grow in this area. And we've been trying to encourage you, and I've been trying the best I can, to remind you of how important it is that as we follow God and as we learn about God, you know, one we, is we need to relearn certain things or correct ideas of God that we had that we thought were like good and then we, they need to change. And we've been learning about a very difficult topic. Let's just admit it. If you've been with us, if you've been watching, you know this. We've been learning about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a difficult thing to talk about. It's a difficult doctrine. It's hard to understand. And I actually thought of a funny story this week of how hard it is to understand the Holy Spirit. And it was a study that was done with young kids. Years ago, uh, some uh, doctors in, in the UK and England did this research with young kids. And it had to do with kids and telling them to imagine something in their minds and how that at times distorted what they believed. And it's a very simple thing. We're going to just try it now, okay? You'll see it on the screen. What it is is they took a room of a few kids and they split them in two. And so one group of kids, you can go, just go to the image, one group of kids, they told them that there's a box in the middle of the room, so picture putting a box in the middle of the room, they brought them into a room and they said, kids, we want you to close your eyes, close your eyes, kids, they all close their eyes, we want you to imagine a little puppy is in that box. The kids are like, puppy, puppy, I love puppies, close their eyes, imagine puppy, and then the kids open their eyes, and some of them are like, well, is there a puppy in the box? They're like, no, no, we just wanted you to imagine that there's a puppy in the box. No, take the kids out of the room. They brought in another group of kids into the room, and they said, hey, kids, we're going to play an imagination game. We're going to imagine, imagine. Guess what we're going to imagine is in the box? Imagine that a scary monster is in the box. The kids are like, oh, my goodness, scary monster in the box. Close your eyes. Imagine, imagine, imagine. And they're like, is there a monster in the box? They're like, no, no, it's just imagining that there's a monster in the box. And that's, that's the study. And then what they did is they brought all the kids back into a room, and they watched them. They watched the kids in the room, the kids, both groups of kids in the same room, and they realized something fascinating that the kids that had imagined that there was a scary monster in the box were less likely to go near the box than the kids who just had imagined that there was a puppy in the box when closer to the box. That a simple game of imagination actually tampered with how the kids understood who they are, their relationship to an invisible box. 
because they couldn't really grow out of that. And part of the study is to see, to see how kids grow out of those phases in their lives when they imagine something and they have to think it's not really there, but it's there in a different way. And I thought about this for us because oftentimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's something we can't see. So we imagine what we think the Holy Spirit is like. And I grew up imagining the Holy Spirit in all the wrong ways. And it took me such a long time to learn again, to grow, to think about God. How can I rethink and grow in my understanding of the Holy Spirit? Because I can't see the Holy Spirit. And sometimes for people, the Holy Spirit's a feeling. And sometimes it's an experience. Or sometimes it's a song. And on and on and on and on and on. And so we've been trying together to learn to have a more biblical, a more rooted understanding of this essential belief that all Christians believe, that there's the Holy Spirit who's present now, and that Holy Spirit is not something we can smell. Do you smell the Holy Spirit? Does anyone smell the Holy Spirit? Although the Bible uses language of fragrance, we're fragrance to God, you can't really smell it, can't see it. Sometimes you can feel it, but you have to discern that because some of those feelings are wrong. They're just you being selfish and you call it the Holy Spirit, I know none of you here, but a lot of people. So we're learning to go deeper and to understand the Holy Spirit. And last week I talked a little bit about the spiritual part. If you weren't here, you can watch it. I don't want to go into it. But, but the fact that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we can focus about the spirit part. And we live in a world where more and more people are interested in spiritual things, more spiritual ideas, certain spiritualities, plural, right? But this week, I want to talk to you about the holy part. And I felt this for a while now, that it's really important to talk about the Holy Spirit and to also realize that what makes the, the Holy Spirit special and not just some spirit idea is that the Holy Spirit is described as Holy Spirit. So we have to talk about what does this word holy mean. And I've felt it like in a really heavy way. And I want to tell you something important, that oftentimes when I'm preaching, I'll introduce myself as Pastor Dom, a leader here, or Pastor Dom, one of the pastors, or Pastor Dom, the person who helped start this church. And sometimes I feel it's not fair to you that I do that, because you can forget that I'm Pastor Dom, your pastor. I'm not the pastor. This is not the church. I'm your pastor. And that means what I'm about to talk to you next about the Holy Spirit is something that God's going to ask me if I told you. Did you tell them that I'm holy? Did you explain to them what that meant? And it, when I introduce myself in a way that's generalized, it's easy for you to think, oh, that's the church, but it's not, I'm not associated with them because I don't like that person there. I don't like them. I didn't like the food of the potluck, but it's, that, it's your church. And every so often, I'm with somebody or I have a coffee with somebody and I'll be meeting with them and they'll see somebody and they'll be, I want to introduce you to my pastor. And I'm always like, whoa. Because I'm not used to hearing that. Now, nobody wants the responsibility of being a pastor. Being a pastor is something God calls you to do. So what I'm going to say today, I'm saying because of the heaviness I feel of being your pastor. And some of the things I'm going to talk about are things that God is shaping in me to learn, to grow, to mature in. But we're not just talking about the spiritual part. We're talking about the, the, the holy part. Yeah, the holy part. Let me get a tissue here. Past few weeks, I don't know. How many knows? This week we had a, an elders meeting with our elders. And uh, if you don't know about church, elders are like, I t in the funny way, the elders are my, are my boss. You know, our elders are the highest, you know, leadership of our church. And I shared this with them. 
I shared that I feel that we need to call our church back to understanding holiness in a new way. And I asked them over the summer to begin to pray about that. Because I don't know what that looks like. It's not just my job, it's us together. And I asked some of the elders, like when you think of the word holy in your own life, when you hear the word holy, what comes to mind? Because oftentimes, remember, we have an imaginary idea of holy, and it could be wrong, but we still live in the wrong idea because nobody corrects the idea. So somebody needs to help you learn the idea in a new way. And so I made a list of some of the things that the elder said. If you don't like these things, the elder said them, send them an email. Tell them you don't like them. Okay? They're not my things. Okay, these are some of the things that the elder said, and I think they're really good things. You know, one of them, that holy feels like this unattainable thing, like something like nobody can do. I'm like, that's eh, true. I felt that. Or holy means this idea of being perfect or someone who never makes mistakes. I grew up with that, and I was like, I can never do this. God doesn't love me. I always feel guilty. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to hell. I don't know. I, I, I grew up feeling Anyone else? No? Okay, we do counseling for that. Okay, anyway. The other thing that was really important is nobody knows. Lots of views, lots of perspectives. Everybody has their own idea. Like, we don't, we don't really know. Just leave people alone. Like, okay, sure. People who want that view never want me to be their pastor. It's only for some people. That's my favorite. Holiness is only for some people. For the pastor, how many of you want a holy pastor? No? Sweet, I can do whatever I want. It's awesome. No, you, you don't say it until it happens where you're like, what do you mean? What do you mean Pastor Dom is stealing? What do you mean Pastor Dom is like cheating on his wife? What, what do you mean? You don't say it, but like you just be holy because you're in a position of privilege and that's your job. But for us, we can do what we want. Right, right. It's very interesting how that happens. Or the Pope. It's the Pope's job to be holy. It's not my job. We all have these ideas. You have your own ideas. I have my own ideas and I have to grow and learn and think more carefully because you can't talk about the Holy Spirit without addressing the holy part or else it's just some spirit thing that has no plans, no goals, does nothing. It's just out there whenever you want to have a, a spa wellness moment, you say the word spiritual. That's not what we're dealing with here. We're dealing about the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Bible, if you've been with us, you know that we've talked about how important it is that when the Holy Spirit starts to do a new thing, the people who experience this, they start to realize, wait a second, we have to grow in what we thought the Holy Spirit was. Like, we need a new paradigm for this. This is amazing. And one of the people in the story who God uses, he and the other 11, because 11 became what? 12. That they, they kind of begin to tell the crowd, they start to preach. And in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and 2, we see that Peter is one of those key leaders that preaches with the other apostles. And they start to say the Holy Spirit's going to come. And the Bible tells us that the people are just so moved that the Bible uses this incredible word. It says the people were cut to the heart. When's the last time you were cut to the heart? Such a powerful word, right? It's like, I cannot leave here the same way I came in. Like, it's that word. They were cut to the heart. And they ask Peter, like, what's going on here? Like, what does this mean? What do we do now? And Peter says to them something so beautiful. We stole this from Peter, by the way. We stole this. Ready? Peter says, you need to do a 180. That's what you need to do. Some of you know the word. Peter says, you have to repent. You need to get more serious than ever that the old story you've lived in is no longer your story. Jesus has a new story 
for you. And to get to that story, it's not just a vibe, it's not just a feeling, it's not just a weekend of getting into spiritual things, it's deciding that the Holy Spirit now owns you and you belong to Him. That your life belongs to God. Everything parents tell their kids, we want them to know this. And then Peter has this profound thing. I'll read it for you. It's really beautiful. He says this. In that moment, you'll see it on the screen. It says this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You repent, 180, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, those who accepted his message and were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Like, who was here for the pot like last week? We were trying to manage 150 people, right? When, when, when the 150, and I think, I'm like, how did they do that? Like, how did they orchestrate that? Thousands of people are like, I'm doing a 180. I'm ready for the old story to die and for the new me to live. I'm ready. Peter would have been like, oh my goodness. Like, we, we don't know what to do with these people. We don't have churches. We don't have benches. We don't have pogos. We don't have freezies. We, we don't have those things. I'm sure they're thinking, God, this is an overflow that we could have never, like, what do we do now? This moment in the story, maybe you feel this. Can you imagine parents hearing this? That the Holy Spirit is not only for you, it's not only for the pastor, it's not only for the priest at the temple, it's not only for the Moses types, it's not only for the spiritual, it's for you and your children and all those who are coming. Your children too. They're going to taste of the power of the Spirit. They're going to sense what it means that all the lies of this world do not stick to them because they belong to Jesus now. Can you imagine that moment? But they have to be willing to understand about the Holy Spirit. And I want to begin by helping you understand that when we say yes to receiving this Holy Spirit, when we welcome the power of the Holy Spirit, we're starting to, we have to kind of take a moment and understand how the Bible uses the word holy. So I'm going to help you now, and I, I want to just kind of break this down a bit more before I explain just a little bit deeper that Peter says some things more about the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, I often say, uh, some of you are taking down notes, and this is a good time to take notes, but I'm always curious why not more of you take notes, and that's another part, that's another sermon, okay? But just, just for that. But holy, I want you from now on to remember the word holiness or holy as being set apart for a purpose. This is so important. Now, there's other meanings, but this needs to be the first meaning that you remember holy. Because or else holy means, oh, I'm not living up, I'm not, I'm not nice, I'm not good enough, I, uh, how can I do more? Holiness becomes your willpower. I hope I have more willpower to not, I hope my kids don't do drugs, I hope, I hope, no, no, no. Holiness begins with God saying, I have set you apart for a particular purpose. Parents who dedicated your kids, this is going to be so important. Because your kids are going to have to understand that God, even in a young age, is setting them apart for a purpose. His purposes. Not their purposes, not your purposes. You know how hard it is for parents to decide, like, my kids have to learn the ways of God more than they care about my ways. The Bible says we impress this on our kids. We don't impose it on them, but we impress on them the ways of God. And we tell them, God has set you apart for a particular thing. And you're going to discern that as you live your life. You're going to, your gifts and your time, are going to, it's all going to come together. And we help you with that, to be set apart. Now, I want to give you a, a, maybe another idea to understand being set apart. That might help you. 
Many of you, any of you play sports or have kids in sports teams, you know, I, I know some of you, if you do, you're not here in church, you're at the sports thing, but hey, welcome. Okay, but if you have your kids in sports, one of the things you learn that every so often in a sports team or in a league, the, the players come together and they're set apart for different divisions, right? If you've ever seen that, like AAA or AA or whatever, A or B and C, whatever. There's other parts, right? They're, they're set apart. And you hear this all the time. It never dawns on you that the idea comes from the root word for holiness, that all of those kids are praying that they will be what? Set apart. All of them want to be set apart. They all desire to be set apart because if they're set apart, it means they've reached a level and they're going to be used in a higher division. It's the root word of this idea to be holy. But this is so important, that the minute they know that they're set apart, the rest of their life changes. The minute they realize, hey, you've been set apart to play on the best team with the best players, their schedule changes, their food changes, their friends, everything. Why? Not because they're trying to be holy, but because they've already been set apart for holiness. See how, the, the, how it works? When you don't learn that God sets you apart, then the things you do feel like baggage. Feels like a burden. Oh, I got to be holy. Oh, I got to get up early. I got to go to the gym. I can't eat chocolate. I got to skate faster. I got to run faster. All those things come out of God for saying, I have set you apart. And you see this in our culture all the time. And so in the Bible, when the Bible says that God calls us to holiness, it's to say, God says, I've set you apart. And now that you're set apart, here are the things I want you to focus on. Here's the kinds of things I want you to pay attention to. Here's the kind of life I need you to commit to, not because you're not sure how to do it, it's because I've already set you apart with the power to live that kind of life, with the strength to be that kind of person. So holiness begins by something that God does, not that we do. Write that down. Holiness is God's idea, not our idea. We don't just get up and be like, I should be holy. I should tell my kids to be holy. Whenever that happens, people hear it as rules, regulation. No, no. God sets you apart. And after he sets you and I apart, he says, hey, now, because you've been set apart, here are some things you should long to have, long to live into. Over the summer and over this next season, I want to ask you to think about in your life if you're someone who longs to be holy. Do you long to grow in holiness? Do you long to grow in such a way where your set-apartness matures and grows and you see your life fitting into God's plan? Or are you like, I love this story of Jesus in the Bible, but I'm going to go back living my own life. Like it's once in a while I'll come back and put my foot in the water, but it's not for me. It's for the pastor. The Holy Spirit comes and says, that's not what this is about. There's a new holiness now, you remember that Peter preaches this sermon in the book of Acts? He preaches to people, and the kids are filled, and it's for the, the gift for the parents. At the end of his life, Peter writes a letter that we have in the Bible. First and second Peter are letters, likely, that Peter gives to churches to read, and you never believe that one of the themes that he has to address at the end of his life is about holiness. Because Peter knows what we all know that a flash experience with the power of the Holy Spirit without a commitment to be holy never sticks. That all of those people who he had seen kind of come to the Lord and be saved who did not commit now to a new way of life, to being set apart, to caring about holiness, they, they just kind of like, oh, we didn't know that mattered. I'm here to tell you that matters. 
As a pastor for 20 years plus, one of the most painful things I deal with is seeing people's lives fall apart because holiness became optional for them. At some point, things are a mess, and in my head as they're talking to me about breakdown in their marriage, breakdown in relationships, arguing, conflict, I keep thinking, I mean, when did holiness become an option in your life? When did you start to think none of this mattered to God? And they'll be like, I don't know, like, the pastor never preached about it because he's the pastor. It's the church. Not after today. That each of us have moments in our life, the most painful experiences in the lives of your kids will happen because you didn't remind them of how important it was to be holy. Because we didn't model what it was like to really care about being holy. And again, don't hear me say perfect. Don't hear me say not make mistakes and God's grace carries us through. Don't hear me say any of that. But at least it's a deep desire to want to be holy. Even though we're not there yet. Like at least you want that. Some people don't even want that. Blessed assurance. You can sing it till you're blue in the face. Holy Spirit. Holy. Peter's near the end of his life, and we know that he's too tired and too old to even write the letter. Because at the end of the letter that he gives us, somebody else, a scribe, is writing what he says. And imagine at the end of his life, he's like, okay, if there's one thing they have to remember, you have to, somebody write, it, write this down, one of you write this down. You need to tell them about holiness. If you had the last hour of your life with your kids, would you say that to them? I know people that are in the last days of their lives and they're thinking about retirement. They're thinking about, oh, I hope everything's figured out. No one I know, I didn't grow up anyone saying, no, no, this is the last few, I have a last hour with my boys. Boys, listen to me. Dad needs to tell you one last thing. Never take your eyes off how important holiness is. Never. Never do that. Because if you do, God has made the world in such a way that when we violate his ways, we always feel the pain of it. We always suffer the weight of the brokenness when we think we can do whatever we want. God doesn't care. God doesn't care what you do. Do what you want. It's, it's fine. Peter, at the end of that letter, says this profound moment. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living in, as foreigners in provinces. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and His Spirit made you holy, set you apart, right? Something God does, not something I do, something God did to us. As a result, you have obeyed Him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. Holiness in the Bible is this gift of an overflowing abundance of God's grace and peace. That when we commit to holiness, this happens to everybody. When you're living a life that is aligned with the ways of God, you sleep well. It's true. Like if you robbed somebody's car last night and you're here, you're probably thinking, I robbed somebody's car, I robbed somebody's car, it's not going to be good, I robbed somebody's car, right? We all know that when our life is in disorder on the inside, that disorder appears on the outside. And people can tell. They're like, hmm, something's up here. Why are you so nervous? Why are you lying? Why are you cheating? Why are you gossiping? What's going on on the inside that is bringing to the surface all of these things? Peter says, no, no, tell them that because God set them apart, write this down, write this down, because God has set you apart, there's a deep holiness that you have a picture of now. And because you're living into that, you've obeyed that, the grace and the peace of God is going to overflow over you. 
your life is going to be shaped by this rich spiritual peace and strength that you will need. I've never met anybody in my life who's like, Pastor Dom, I need less peace. Less peace for me. I'm doing great. Don't pray for me for that. Peter says, do you want this? Do you want to live in this way? Because you have to. You have to care about this. You have to care in such a way because it helps you understand that God has created you to live and to find your essence and your purpose through living as holy people. When we ignore holiness, it's like a fish ignoring the water. It's that kind of image. It's like trying to explain to a fish, hey, you can't live out of this water. Like if you live out of this water, you're going to die, fish, right? It's like God saying to us, if you don't think holiness matters and you live by another rule, you're going to die. Things in you will die because I've created you to live by the guidelines that I've provided for you in Scripture. And you know what we all want? We all know, like, what are those guidelines? Like, what's the lowest thing I can or cannot do? Instead of, like, what are the guidelines and what are the ways that lead to peace, that lead to hope, that lead to joy, that lead to, to, to God's strength? I've been feeling convicted of this in my own life. You know, when I'm watching a show and I see something that's violent, I'm like, I'm like, that should bother me. When I hear someone talk bad about someone, I don't make a joke. I'm like, that bothers me that that happened that way. When I hear somebody gossiping about someone, I have to learn to be like, God, make me sensitive to this. May this never be okay with me. May this never not bother me. Bring this to my attention because you're holy and I want to be holy. And that's exactly what Peter says next. The next part he says is, oh, by the way, let me tell you that the holiness is because that's what God is like. And this is what he says next. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. <laughs> I want to tell you how important it is. One, that Peter calls people ignorant who think that they can like, ignore this. Already, I could, uh, people would be so offended. Oh my goodness, you can't talk to me like that. I have Jesus in my heart. Whatever. Peter is like, are you ignorant to how important this is? Like you can't go back living in the ways that you used to live if you want the power and the peace of the Spirit. And you just can't. You can, but you're never, it's never going to work. And then he says something that I never understood and that I really want, like I really hope that it's clear and you understand. And I want to kind of wrap up with this idea. He says, be holy because God is holy. For the longest time in my life, I read this as be holy the way God is holy. And I'm like, well, nobody can be holy the way God's holy. Like, God's holy. Like, it's impossible. He's saying, no, no, you be holy because God is holy. This is one of the most profound things that we learn about God, and we sing about it so often. We sing about it in our songs, right? We sing about the idea that God is holy, holy, holy. That's who he is, and that, that's what he's like. And what, what the Bible's trying to say is, remember that God is what? What does the word holy mean? Set apart. That there is no other God like him. He is set apart in a category beyond all categories. You know, if you're taking notes, this is important, just a bit deeper for you. That means God never becomes holy. He always is holy, and he can't not be not holy. We become holy. See the difference? So the Bible says you need to be those who, because you know God is holy, and you know His holiness is very different than our holiness, right? You know that's different. Don't get confused. But because of that, you 
surrender to the power of the Spirit daily so that you would become holy. Become more like God. And I want to tell you something that I used to do when I was younger that is one of the worst habits that I developed in my spiritual life. That when I sensed in my life things that God was trying to address in my life, and I remember I did this from when I was 20, when I was 30, it took a long time to grow out of it. I had this horrible habit of sensing God calling me to a deeper place of holiness and then looking for someone who did things worse than me. And say to myself, at least I'm not what? At least I'm not as bad as them. Constantly. I constantly remember thinking, well, you know, I, I, I do this even when, if you ever get a ticket, you ever get a ticket from a cop, like you're going 10 over, and you're like, isn't there anybody killing anybody that you would stop me? The rules only apply unless you can think of someone doing something worse. I used to do this all the time. I'm like, I don't have to be holy. I know pastors that are not even holy. I know people in the church that are worse than me. Why, why do I matter? God's like, no, you're not holy because they're holy. You're holy because I'm holy. You see the difference? And it took me so long to understand this because I developed this perfect pattern to think of someone just so much more worse that I could always point to. Oh, you know them? Oh, let me tell you about that. Oh, I heard a story. I heard a story. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if it's true, so don't repeat it. Then you hear it, seven other people say it. Like, we, well, none of us were supposed to repeat that. Yeah, but we don't care about holiness. Can we decide today that whenever we say Holy Spirit, we will remember that God set us apart because He is holy and we are His. He didn't set us apart to be holy like Him because we cannot be holy like Him. But He wants us to know that if holiness doesn't matter to us, we will never understand His love and who He really is in His nature to us. And we use these ideas of holiness just en passant, like it's like, oh yeah, holy Bible, holy ground, holy this, holy land, holy week. And we have all these words we use. And then after a while, we just think, oh yeah, God is just like one of those things. No, no, God is not one of those things. God is holy in His own way. Nothing is holy like God is holy. And I want you to understand how important this is. That sometimes for us, holiness again becomes about externals. I was a youth pastor for years, and parents would be concerned, oh, when my kids, they, they go to high school, I hope they don't do drugs. I'm like, yeah, me too, that's bad. Oh, I hope my kids don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do, like put the list of all the things. I hope they don't lie, I hope they don't cheat, I hope that Holiness becomes about all these external things and never about the root that they love God and want to grow in their relationship with God. And I was with parents who gave these, their kids all these rules, all these rules, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. Their kids turned 18, they're like, I'm out of here. Every time. Because it's not enough to think of holiness of the things you don't do. Holiness is about the things we do do. And that requires the power of the Spirit. To do the right things. Not just to cheat, but to not be gripped by money. Not just not to lust, but to love my brother and sister like they're my brother and sister. You see the difference? Holiness, don't, rules, all the stuff. And after a while, whenever God comes close and says this, this, well, somebody's worse than me. You should deal with them first, God. Today, we have a chance to just be honest and to invite the Holy Spirit to begin to soften our hearts to this. This, there's no way around this. 
You can ask anybody you meet who says they're a Christian. Everybody would say at the bottom of their hearts that one of the most important things the Bible says about God is that He is holy. Every time you go to bed and every time you get up, angels sing in heaven that God is what? Holy, holy, holy. And think about that the angels are singing that God is holy even though there's no sin there. God is not just holy because there's bad things around Him. God is holy even when there's no bad there at all. Just begin to feel the weight of that. He's set apart and there's no one like Him. And that means that a holy God can only be approached because He invites us to come. A holy God can only be longed for because He says, just come now, it's safe. It's safe to come closer to me. And the Bible has all these examples of the God who loves us that says, I am holy. And if I let you experience the fullness of my holiness, I would destroy you. But because I love you and because of what my son has done, just come now. You can come closer. Yeah, but the fire is going to burn it. No, no, the fire won't burn you. You think of a story that comes to mind? Moses. Moses knows God is so holy. Like, can I take off your shoes, Moses? This is a fire that will not burn you. God's gift to us is not only to reveal to us that he's holy and to call us to live up to that, but to say, I'm going to come near to you so I don't destroy you because I love you in my holiness. This summer, you and I get a chance to do a lot of things. So I'm going to get a break and go on vacation, take some rest time, do some work. Can you just commit with me, with our elders, to keep thinking more carefully about the word holiness? To keep praying that God would remind you that you've been set apart. And that as he sets us apart, he sets us apart for a purpose that's bigger than just following the rules. He sets us apart because we belong to him. And he says, because you belong to me, I am giving you the strength to make holiness the center of your life. Now, that's not always easy to know how to respond in holiness. You're going to find yourself in situations, and I know this because I talk to you about them or you email me about them, or, which is beautiful. It's one of the joys of being a pastor where you're like, I'm not sure what to do. Like, we just pray and say, God, what would be the holy decision? What decision would model that you've set us apart here? What response would model that you've set us apart and that other people would know that we love you and that you're holy? What decision? And we quickly get lost because we're like, oh, there's hard decisions and I don't know what to do, so I did whatever I wanted. So maybe holiness makes us slow down to say, whoa, whoa, wait a second. I want a decision that reminds me and my family and my kids that we've been set apart for God's purposes. So what would that look like now? Each of us get to do this. And it's one of the things that you're going to hear me talk about because one day I believe, whether you believe this or not, that God will ask me if I spoke to you about how holy he is. He will. He'll say, did you remind them that I'm holy and loving and caring, but I'm holy and how they live mattered? And I will say, there was a Sunday, there was this weird race in Quebec, it was Father's Day, I did, I did, I remember. I'm going to have you stand and I don't know if Dave's here and I'm just going to ask him to just do song, but I want to I remind you as we close of a story that Jesus tells. It's a parable. You don't have to put it on the screen. I'm just going to tell it to you very quickly. And it's a parable 
of someone who has dust in their eye. And they go around and they keep looking at everyone else and they judge everyone else. And Jesus says, you know, it's really hypocritical that you wouldn't be honest about the log in your eye while you point out the dust in everybody's eye. It's really hypocritical that you would do that. He's trying to teach about holiness. And at the end of that parable, Jesus says something so beautiful. He says, it's so important that you first take the log out of your own eye so then you can help a person who has dust in their eye. See how beautiful that is? Jesus says, when you take holiness seriously, your holiness blesses someone else because you can help them so that they would pursue holiness. We, we read that parable and say, no, no, I don't want anyone to judge me. It's between me and God. And it's not your business. Jesus says, no, no, no. It is between you and God, but it's between you and God so you can help someone else after you get honest about your life. Many of your kids will be blessed because you took holiness seriously. Many of your grandchildren will experience great joy because today you decided to take holiness seriously. Many of the people you work with will hear a word from you because you didn't judge them, but because you practiced holiness for their sake and because you loved other people. And when we don't learn that, holiness in a church becomes the place we stand to judge other people that are bad. Not in the church of Jesus. Because we've been set apart to remind others that God loves them. And that they would see that love in the fact that we desire and long to live holy lives. Holy lives. I hope you feel that a sermon like this is a sermon for me as much as it is for you. I hope you don't feel that I magically, you know, I'm perfect like the Pope. And I, no, no, no. I, need to, I grow in holiness as, as you do. And I surrender to God's ways. A few weeks ago, somebody at our church asked me to give them a reference for a job. And they have all these questions for the kind of person that they are. It made me think about holiness. You know, and you do a reference for someone, I'm like, get to say stuff. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just write, this person grew up at the 180, they're going to be great, check. That they would say, oh, they practiced holiness from being in that, we're like, yeah. We live in a world of people always trying to study someone. Are you going to be a liar? Are you going to tell the truth? Are you going to cheat? Can we hire you? Are you going to ruin our brand? Blah, 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 blah. Imagine if we were people who said, people are formed in the way of Jesus. You don't have to ask me any of these questions. It's going to be fine. You could hire them. They don't lie. They don't cheat. They love. They care. They're there. They're honest. Just, it's fine. Can we long for that kind of church? Can we long for that kind of holiness in a world that's always suspicious looking for someone? We're like, we're past that. You know why? Because Peter told us that we're holy because our God is holy. Not because my boss is going to find out that I lied. None of us can live this life without the power of the Spirit. I'm going to ask Dave to just sing that song, Blessed Assurance, one time, and then I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask you as you sing it to remember that as you sing it, you're deciding that you're done with the old story as you get more serious than ever about the new story God's called you to. And that always requires talking about holiness. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. 
likely grew up with all kinds of images in your mind of what it looks like when someone's filled with the Spirit, when someone has the power of the Spirit, when someone has the anointing of the Spirit, and you've had all kinds of images in your mind that will keep you from taking holiness seriously because they were weird and strange and you had questions. And as I was preparing this week, I felt the weight of one thing, of what it means to be your pastor and to give you a new image that you would use from now on about what it looks like every time you care about holiness, every time you commit to come to God and say, God, there's deep work you have to do now. It doesn't matter about my neighbor, it doesn't matter about my wife, it doesn't matter about my kids, me, you're holy, I'm holy. That I wanted to end today with praying for us on my knees as the image that no one stands in the presence of a holy God like this, like this. You know, I thought it's going to be awkward. Like people online, what if they put funny comments? Love you guys if you're watching. It'll be fine. Let's pray. Jesus, may this be a symbol for us that you, the Holy One, washed our feet. That the angels bow before you singing, holy, holy, holy. That we have been set apart for your work and your purposes. 
Forgive us for the times we have failed to take the holy part seriously. May our kids and our grandchildren be blessed because it mattered to us the way we live. Cleanse us in a deep way from the wrong images and the brokenness and the pain of the past that we go back to not to live holy lives. Stir us through your ways so that people would know that you are the Holy One. Holy Spirit, move. Move like only you can. Because we are not going back to the old story. We are not going back to the way things are. May this day be a marker for us. That holiness would remain central to us because you are holy. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Hey, uh, I know you have plans for Father's Day and all that stuff, so you can cancel them. And uh, No, I'm, ki- I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But if, if you want to pray or talk to someone, we have a team here who'd love to pray with you. We have leaders and pastors. Thank you for listening and for understanding that this is serious. We love you. God bless you and see you soon.